0: most of us never realise, as we stuff our faces with the sanitised swill of premium content providers, is that there is a wealth of free entertainment just a few clicks away. While it is by no means the be all and end all of online video, there are approximately 1.3 billion YouTube users and 300 hours of video are uploaded to YouTube every minute. In that great cesspit of screaming clickbait, it is easy for films to fall between the cracks, swiftly buried by an eternal stream of effluence. But what of those fallen and forgotten films, swept away and buried beneath the landslide of portly cats, facepalm fails and belligerent reaction videos? Strap on your favourite hazmat suit and join Indie Film Library as we take a deep dive into the internet's most popular video sewer. Journey with us as we rake through the muck, sifting through the turds in the hope of unearthing some diamonds for your viewing pleasure. Welcome to Tube Rats. Hello, and welcome to the fourth installment of Tube Rats, a bi weekly podcast where we take a deep dive into the world of free online cinema to try and find something special in amongst the billions of videos cluttering up YouTube. This week, we're watching documentaries, and we've all seen some things this week that were difficult to watch, and not just in the sense of greed or the red room. There will be A huge tonal dissonance between the films covered today, because as we know, documentaries often deal with some extremely important and saddening topics. So before we go any further, I think we should probably flag up the fact that we will be discussing a film which makes graphic references to sexual violence. If you would like to skip that part, please pause and see the podcast description where we will have a timestamp you can fast forward to after good girls don't tell now with that said joining me this week as always faithful co-host jimmy rudiger jimmy how are you keeping uh faithful is a stretch but i'm happy
1: to be here as always i'm very excited this week because i i've got one of my my close friends and norwich's answer to captain caveman joining us uh mm-hmm. jason
2: overman <laughs> hello hello i am a caveman it seems despite the fact that i've never made fire Never made anyone laugh either, but (laughs) that's a different story. (laughs) Fuck, I've lost it already. Um, It's going well.
0: He is a good punchline in human form, it seems. So he, (laughs) by default, has made someone laugh in that case, Jimmy. Thanks for ruining my intro, Jack. Uh, I should ask, how how was the film festival? Oh my god, well, it actually went really well. Um, it was a technical nightmare for about a week leading up to it. But once that was all out of the way, it actually it went off without a hitch in the end. Uh, we selected winners uh, and announced them, um, the winners of which are currently playing on Indie Film Library still. But by the time this goes out, I guess they won't be. So disregard that. Also, it's, uh, it's good to see you again, Jason, because, um, yeah, it's been a few years since I've been back to Norwich now. I had a question for you um, before we get into things. Uh, As far as I understand, it was your idea to cover documentaries, and obviously I'm not, like, pointing fingers or anything. Uh, I found it an interesting choice for a comedian. Whatever was going to come up, there were chances that something not too fun was going to be discussed. I was wondering, then, why you wanted to tackle this particular genre.
2: I don't know whether to blame the fact that there's a plague or the fact that I've done some pretty heavy work in non-comedy-wise lately, but literally all I do now is watch Drag Race and learn about horrible people. Uh, that's the only thing I seem to be interested in now. I'm just constantly watching documentaries and listening to audiobooks about... And occasionally I guess those two worlds
0: will collide <laughs> whenever the Sherry Pie documentary comes out. <laughs> um... <laughs> I forgot about that! Oh. <laughs> That's, That's exactly yeah. what RuPaul hopes.
2: You <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure though there, there would be one on RuPaul at some point because they aren't like oh, seem to be a horrible person. But frack, frack, frack away! <laughs> <laughs> I have not checked this. RuPaul's into fracking.
0: Uh, yeah, I think RuPaul's uh, husband has a, a fracking ranch or something like that. Please Google that. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely the fracking thing is a big thing that <laughs> the drag community <laughs> <laughs> are trying not to talk about the moment. <laughs>
2: I like the idea of a fracking rams because I'm just imagining fracking cowboys now. <laughs> um, it's just it makes Red Dead completely different. Yes, riding a big old wave of oil.
0: <laughs> okay, well, uh, this won't work remotely well as a segue into the first film. So, uh, without further ado, is it uh, Jimmy? You're introducing Good Girls Don't Tell.
2: does this person go to? Who does the victim turn to? Someone that won't possibly question their the, the veracity of their statements. Um, also, and, and I'll get into this in a little later, but a rape isn't just of a woman's body or a man's body. It's also of their mind, emotion, and spirit. And so it's debilitating to come out of that when you're all by yourself after having been traumatized. Um, you question everything that you knew prior to the rape you, you are filled with so much doubt that you even question whether or not reporting is a good idea
1: so well the idea for documentary week um and I think I've done this quite well is I wanted to pick one topic which was quite serious uh one topic uh which was quite silly and one film which was an overly pretentious attempt at being artsy And Good Girls Don't Tell is our serious film uh, this week. Uh, So it's a 40-minute documentary uh, directed by Dr. Lindsay Brumell, who works as a senior lecturer at the University of London. So she's not really a filmmaker per se. Uh, She's a professor uh, in the Department of Journalism. She lists her interests as uh, feminism, uh, digital news reporting, uh, and how the media reports on different events, so sort of the internal biases that the media will have whenever they're reporting. And Good Girls Don't Tell is, is, is a series of sit-down interviews with um, some reenactments with 10 young women who talk about uh, their experiences of being sexually assaulted or raped, in usually by people very close to them, or co-workers, it's a, very, it's a very powerful film. Um, it's only 40 minutes long, and it feels like a constant dread is probably the way I would, I would put it. Like, I came out of the film mostly hating everyone, and I'm, I'm sure you guys are going to feel quite similar. And it's, it's, I feel like the most disturbing thing is that, like, it's so obvious coming out of this, like, how common this is to young women, and I feel it's going to be quite difficult for us to discuss this as three men uh, discussing uh, ten instances of women experiencing uh, sexual assault and rape. It's very obviously it's a very different experience to what we would typically have. But like the main thing that comes away from it is just how common this was for those women. So, guys, I'm going to open it up to you. To you. What were your thoughts upon watching us
2: at one point in this? I shouted the phrase uh, fucking dickhead at screen at one of the the uh, perpetrators. Uh, the description because, yeah, it's, it's horrible. Like, it's absolutely brutal. And, yeah, it's one of those things that even dear, we can't really understand, can we? <laughs> so it's like you're trying to understand what happens and we'll probably get told by lots of women that they know this this, these are things that happens And then we're just like, ah oh, shit, we didn't know
1: Yeah, I, I feel like the biggest takeaway For me is, that, like, this is One extremely common, I think one of the statistics Quoted was uh, one in three women rape uh, Experienced rape or, 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 or you know, Attempted rape uh, Which is a sickeningly high Percentage of people yeah. And uh, 95% of women I think I read, experience some form Of sexual harassment on a regular basis this did not fill me with sunshine and happiness when when
0: I'd finished. I'm uh, I'm glad you got the elephant in the room addressed, uh, which is that we are three men talking about this. Um, there is stuff to talk about still from that perspective. Um, particularly the stuff, maybe um, as Jason said, we aren't the perpetrators directly. However. The film kind of partially touches on this idea that people, uh, men in general, are in some way responsible uh, through their everyday behaviour. And I mean, what what this prompted me to do was really to think about my past kind of like comments in in a kind of comedic sense or whatever. And obviously that's the wrong word to use because looking back at things that I may have said or done, They weren't comedic. Uh, In particular, I made a uh, short documentary a few, like almost a decade ago now. And um, at the start, I I played out this idea that I got kidnapped. And then there was this joke that uh, I got like brutalized by my my kidnapper. And I, I have no idea what I thought was funny about that and for some reason it just it skated completely under my my other sensibilities like oh if I'm the target if I'm the punchline it's fine and it doesn't work that way because you're still essentially normalizing treating rape as a as a joke as a cultural commodity this kind of film I think should prompt a lot of introspection in in men in general just about how they conduct themselves even if they're not a rapist, even if they're not a perpetrator of, of sexual crimes, they are behaving in ways that may, may suggest to other people this is this is the kind of a behavior that is acceptable.
1: Like one of the things, so this this documentary reminded me of like two two sort of points I want to bring up. Yeah. And one of them is um one of my own sort of like regrets now. It's actually it's a very big regret for me because I don't didn't realize what like a big Deal it was at the time, and it's sort of similar to yourself. You know, and I think you know realizing when you were younger, that something was thinking something wasn't a big deal, and le- later realizing perhaps you should have acted differently. Yeah, and uh, one of the, the things this documentary reminded me of was um it was a few years back, and uh, I was in a pub with one of my uh, sort of female friends and a few co workers, and um a old gross man to put it nicely came up to my female friend, groped her on the bum, just leered at her, and then just walked away. And none of us said anything. And I think at the time, I was, one, shocked because to me it seemed so abnormal. To me it was abnormal. But also because I didn't, I was sort of so taken aback that that had happened. But I feel like when I spoke to her about it, she was shocked that we like, none of her friends, myself included, said anything. But also... She was shocked at like how often it seems to happen. I feel like as as men we don't understand perhaps how often this kind of thing does happen, and I genuinely regret now not having said anything at the time. It's genuine one of my biggest regrets because that person's a very close friend of mine now. But I feel like I let her down quite a lot that day, and I feel like I, like this film inspires a lot of introspection as you were saying about sort of occasions like that where I think when we watch this we're all gonna remember times when we feel like we should have acted or said something differently. Um, The other thing this reminded me of was about a year ago, I was talking to one of my female friends about sort of how, you know, sort of her sexual experiences in the past. And what she confided in me was that she probably, she's estimated about sort of 60 to 70% of the people she'd had sex with. She didn't want to have sex with them. But she'd felt either pressured or that it was too awkward to say no Or something might go, in her words, go wrong for her if she did say no Yeah, And I mean, kind of hoped it was an outlier But I I sort of asked a few other female friends sort of similar things And it's disturbingly common that some women will find it almost like, like expected to say yes Because they're worried about what will happen if they say no and there's not really a nicer way to put it other than, you know, it, it's sexual assault or it's rape, isn't it? And yeah. as, as three guys, you know, we, we can't really comment on this in the, with the same level of knowledge, but the fact that this happens under our noses so often, and I, I guess one of the things this documentary did was to to highlight that and to, you know, to make us sort of, like, think about
2: those instances. So,
1: yeah, it was a, it was a very powerful documentary. <laughs>
2: It left, uh, yeah, left me and probably yeah, you said you as well. Like afterwards, you were like, "Shit!" <laughs> it just it took a while to recover from, and like, and you also you're like, I shouldn't find it that difficult because obviously I've just watched some people talk about it. So what I've done is nothing, but you're like, "Holy shit!" I can't believe that happens. And again, you feel like you should know better. In one of my in one of my jobs, I work with young homeless people and i've supported so many people who have been through that and even though i knew it happened all that time i still was shocked like it's really difficult for i think just a a bloke to get that in your head like you think you need to constantly remind yourself to be less terrible that's probably a good piece of advice um (laughs) i think
0: um yeah the whole thing is really harrowing uh, a set of very meticulous uh, survivor accounts from sexual assault and all of it obviously is really deeply disturbing but one section particularly gave me some chills is um, not actually the the testimony there's a montage of online hate speech where people are repeatedly stating victims of raper asking for it among a list of other sickening slurs um what really drove that home for me this idea that maybe and maybe we've we we are actually more exposed to this than we really think about maybe we've become numb to it what really drove it home to me was when i scrolled down to the comment section of this film the comment section is closed And the like and dislike buttons are closed, suggesting that there probably was some kind of like orchestrated attempt to discredit or undermine this film by a portion of the YouTube community. Something about this kind of like uh, modern truism really irks me. This thing people often say uh, when they're trying to act kind of worldly and wise on the internet is they say, don't ever go into the comment section. You won't like what you find. Are we essentially bequeathing the comment section to people like that? I think it's very difficult because,
1: so in terms of like a comment section being disabled, this reminds me of, I'm not sure if you two have um, heard of there's a, a documentary filmmaker called Anita Sarkeesian who yeah. did a lot of um, like documentaries about feminism and video games and the gamer community is not the most mature, to put it mildly. The vitriols she received for suggesting that some video games were sexist, uh, had outdated tropes—just the most basic Super Mario rescuing a princess from the castle—is is kind of evidence of that. But like this, like the comments and death threats and rape threats and everything she received to the point where she had to go into hiding at one point because of the, the vitriol she was getting. Yeah. Um it's really difficult to like to police those comment sections while accounts and everything are essentially anonymous. I think in in South is maybe South Korea, you like for internet accounts or um certain accounts you have to link your social security uh yeah. information to them, which although it does seem kind of like a, a nanny state solution it does at least take away that kind of anonymous nature that people feel perhaps that they can say what they want without fear of consequences.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the other problem with that is probably that if there's a data breach of Facebook or whatever, then suddenly every hacker and his dog has your social security information. But there is something to be said for that, sure.
2: Yeah, like, it's one of those things you're like, I know it. we shouldn't have to do it, but then you're like, It's just, yeah, it's a really sticky subject to get into, and it's just horrific.
0: Is there, um, do you think, something to be said for some kind of collective action uh, of users against things like uh, Google or Facebook or Instagram? Because obviously one of the things that's come up related to to either this, or I suppose like the cases of uh, racism targeted at uh, footballers in the Premier League and so on, the criticism kind of stops at Google aren't going to do anything. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to ask Google to do things. But um, these companies are basically getting rich and fat off your data. You're providing them a service that enables them to get profit. And if enough people were to withdraw that, even temporarily, it would be a big problem to them. Is there some kind of is there some kind of uh, Facebook strike you could take part in or something like that? I think a difficult thing is that. Although
1: people, you know, if you were to ask them, might say, Oh, yeah, this is a great idea. What those comments section prove is actually a lot of people have these kind of views and enjoy being able to make these kind of like offensive or, um, you know, racist or sexist or or horrific comments without that fear of being caught. I think it's it's really difficult. And I mean, the other thing is, without defending corporations, it's a very, very big task. You think uh, if, If a lot of people have like a Facebook, say an Instagram, a Twitter, uh, a YouTube account. And so if if one person has four accounts and some people upload multiple times a day, some people don't, but you're talking hundreds of millions of accounts. How do you essentially police that realistically without, you know, having
0: a whole army of people? Well, I mean, they do effectively police it for other things. Such yeah. as uh, brand placement, nipples, that sort of thing, and they run <laughs> it by algorithm, uh, which obviously is a system that gets plenty of critique of its own. But it's it's not something that you would literally have to employ a fifth of the world's population to solve.
2: So, like, while it is promoting another podcast, um, "Behind the Bastards" had a thing on, I believe it's "Behind the Bastards" anyway, or might be last Year Ever." had one about Facebook and apparently for I believe it was it was like I think it's Eastern or Western Africa they had like eight people for all of it (laughs) yeah, to like deal with the main issues and I wish I could remember the name of the person who wrote the report she used to work for Facebook and said You know, just how horrible it was because she had to, like the algorithm would would tell her certain things saying, you need to look at this. This looks like it's needs to be checked over by a person. They look at it and then have to make a decision of whether she's got time to look into it, you know, and then you sort of see what's happened in Ethiopia and Myanmar with it's made it easier (laughs) for people to victimize people of certain race or tribe or religion. It's that thing of how do we it's become so entwined in everything you do, like as a comedian, like Facebook is one of probably the best way of getting people yeah. to your shows, so if you want to do something in like the public eye, I imagine it's the same with indie film library, if you wanna yeah. get your your content out there, it's the best way to do it, but also it's a shit company, yeah. It's the same with with Amazon. It's that thing of you really don't want to use them and you try not to, but sometimes it's a lot cheaper and you can't afford to go to a a local run shop or you don't have time to run down to the...
1: Or we're in a
2: lockdown and a pandemic and the local
1: run
0: shop isn't even available and hasn't been for over a year now. In those cases, I think you should always try and find a way to give some kind of solidarity to the people who are unionising at Amazon, I think. Yeah. They're probably the only people who actually do have the power to make any kind of change at how shitty that company is. Yeah, but I think we should probably digress here and go Stop back to angry. talking about the film. <laughs> so, on a technical basis, let's just talk about this for a second. Do you think that the use of actors to deliver the real-life testimony uh, worked for you? Was or did it feel? I don't know, genuine. I think for me, it felt genuine just because.
1: It, it, you know, what we were hearing was still actual sort of sexual assault survivors telling their stories. Yeah. I think for me, it was a really, the way it was done sort of like with multiple cameras and the reenactments was a really good way of keeping, keeping. I don't want to say engaged because I like in no way was just like a boring watch or no. something, but I, for lack of a better word, I guess engaged because to watch 40 minutes of just straight interview, I think, would be quite difficult. And I think this, it, it was done really well, and it was also done very tactfully. It wasn't sensationalised in any way, which I think is something, you know, obviously I want to avoid massively. I think, it for
2: me, it was done really well. I put down, like, it was a, a little rough around the edges, but, you know, it looks like they were concentrating on the, the content more than than the rest of it like yeah so some of the actors maybe you know not gonna win an oscar for what they're saying but they're, they were there to do what they did which was engagingly tell their story and that's yeah. what they did I think to give them the benefit of the doubt as well I'm not entirely
1: convinced they were actors per se as they were volunteers yeah um in the same way that um although is a very engaging and like powerful documentary um, the director wasn't really a filmmaker in that I don't feel that she's got a whole plan for a, another film in the future
0: yeah. <laughs> um, it's, um, so it could it's, be
1: that they're students in that case from what i, I gathered from like the credits and from trying to do a bit of research on on sort of the director and the subject, I think it were volunteers in the department that Dr. Bomar worked in as opposed to sort of people they'd hired.
0: yes, yeah they were. Um... Pretty good by those standards. I think they were just on the right side of the line where they were, some of them were, you know, acting more overtly than others, but it was, it never, it never crossed a line into being kind of hammy. It was always, it was always completely appropriate, I think.
2: Yeah. And you, you had the feeling that some of them were telling someone else's story, but then like you couldn't help but think, oh, they're talking about themselves as well, even though you knew they're not mentally, which kind of made it even more horrific yes and also just the
0: the pop-up stats uh, that just emerged on the screen at certain points initially i was thinking uh, maybe this like there's one that says someone is sexually assaulted in the u.s every 107 seconds and i was feeling maybe that should be at the start but then i start to think about it like the last thing that you want in this kind of documentary is for your audience to get comfortable and kind of be able to sink into a rhythm of what they're expecting to see and these horrible stats just come up and kind of stun you back into the room again
2: yeah i would definitely agree with that because there were a couple of times where you think like you say you it's so horrific and you kind of do feel a bit numb to it and then it it did pull you back in
1: i was just thinking like in another way though isn't that kind of almost demonstrating the fact that these sort of statistics which should be really horrifying are just kind of sort of in there almost as a kind of normal part of the film as though there's nothing special about them it's like indicative of how common it is perhaps Mm. Um, whether or not that was like a stylistic choice or whether or not like that's just coincidental but the sheer fact that like these horrifying statistics are just peppered in is kind of like sort of similar to how this horrifying thing happens to women all the time it's just almost like an everyday, you know,
0: part of everyday life. So maybe I'm looking too much into that, but I think uh, that it, it's entirely justified that we we talk about stylistic choices like that and maybe do try and read into them. I think I have to say, uh, Doctor Lindsay Blumel, she really did a hell of a job on this, and I wasn't necessarily expecting that because having studied um, studied in a film department before, most academics are not. Natural filmmakers, to put it bluntly. And when they do attempt it, it uh, often comes across as quite dry, data driven kind of stuff that uh, isn't particularly emotionally effective. And obviously, this had a huge impact on us. Just, you know, from the way we've all reacted to
1: it, it's it's obvious that this was a very powerful film. I think we've all sort of privately said to each other that we were horrified. And um, even though she's perhaps not a a filmmaker in sort of a traditional sense, or is clearly quite talented at what she's um she's done. I feel yes.
0: So um, with all that being said, in that case, would uh, would we
2: recommend this film? Difficult there, like definitely, but also, uh, <laughs> it's it should be watched, but also it's it's hard to watch. I fully agree. I I would recommend it.
1: With the caveat of it's a very upsetting and very difficult
0: watch, but it's worth a watch. So, I, yeah, I would recommend. Yes, I think I'm with you there. Like uh, a recommendation with a, a trigger warning preceding it uh, would be appropriate. But it is definitely something that people um, who can who can watch it should watch it. We should probably close this one out with um, if you cannot convince a fascist acquaint his head with the pavement is the famous (laughs) saying. (laughs) Yes.
2: A climate-controlled underground facility. An unbelievable, Fifty-three
1: miles of shelving, containing some of the oldest known books in existence, many of which haven't been seen in ages, and only a select
2: few are ever allowed inside. The Vatican Secret Archives. It's one of the most tightly guarded and speculated about locations in the world.
0: And uh, that brings us to our second film of tonight, to be introduced by Jason, Secrets of The Vatican Archives Exposed.
2: Thank you very much. Yeah, so Secrets of the Vatican Archives. It's a 16-minute documentary by the esteemed filmmaker and totally not a conspiracy theorist dickweasel, Jay Myers. It's currently got 31,000 views. And his channel has twenty, oh, two hundred and twenty-three thousand subscribers, which I really hope he paid for because it's terrifying otherwise. So yeah, this is it uh, explores the Vatican archives and what is held in there. I'm, I'm trying to think of things to say about it. Um, <laughs> from let's go for the the film itself uh, without talking the subject matter. It's What my note says is it seems to be a a collection of presumably copyrighted footage (laughs) badly mixed with stock images of spooky things and narration that said people have once said this, so it must be true. (laughs) It was about five, five, six minutes into it. I thought all this needs is David Icke and it ticks all the boxes. And there he was, like <laughs> it, oh, it was oh, I don't know. It, it was just it was a mess. They would you just threw so much information, all of the everything which came with. People have said, <laughs> rumors are.
1: <laughs> I, I feel like when you said documentary, I feel like you had your fingers up doing like little mini quotation marks.
2: Oh, I, I did. Yeah.
1: Because. <laughs> <laughs> course is <laughs> a documentary in the same breath as the, the previous one we've discussed is. Yeah! <laughs> it's a stretch. Uh, <laughs> all I'll say for this one is that um, it was 16 minutes of film for approximately, I'd say, 20 seconds of content. Yeah. <laughs> there was nothing there. Like you know, The whole point was that the Vatican has a library and no one really knows what's inside. Including,
2: apparently, the Vatican. Um, <laughs> I think the film is summed up in the greatest quote of all time, which happened by someone who looked a bit like uh, Richard Amber in Jurassic Park, that said, I don't know what's in the secret arch- archives. It's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh, it was so beautiful. Life finds a way. <laughs> I watched this a couple of times because like one of my hobbies is seeing like weird ass conspiracy and right wing bullshit mm. and seeing what what are the Nazis doing. <laughs> you, know, you need to you need to know what the Nazis are doing to stop the Nazis. And this was a like, like that moment where the whole new age hippie slowly you see it when it's yeah. like saying the Vatican and there were so many things you're like like, so close to being Horrifically racist <laughs> you, you peel back all the layers With that kind of
0: new age Hippie type and then once you've got through The outer layers of the onion inside Is a horrible shriveled anti-Semite Yeah He's yeah. my machine the man
2: now <laughs> It's like the second they mention David Icke and you're like Ah oh, yes when you say lizard we know what you actually Mean David David <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, that's a niche, niche David Icke fact.
2: I know. It's, ever since I found out that his entire career was two years at Hereford just made me so happy. And yet, if you go on Wikipedia, it comes up and says he's a footballer.
0: I guess it says the same about Gordon Ramsay, though, and by all accounts, he, he wasn't really that close to making it big. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, what I wanted to say about this film, I think I came from a kind of similar standpoint to Jason i have to i have to confess that i've always been a sucker for documentaries of this ilk not not so much like right wing conspiracy videos but like i like the the nonsense that you'll find Late Night on the History Channel. Or, yeah. I mean, on YouTube, there's so much to see. Like, there's the whole collection of Leonard Nimoy's Unsolved Mystery series. Um, at one point, he suggests Bigfoot is watching us for signs that we're mature enough to reveal himself to us. <laughs> there's, there's Animal X, which is this fabulously hokey series on YouTube where witnesses, and that's in inverted commas, <laughs> They, they claim their names are things like Michael Jackson and John Lennon. So, they, they, you know, they really want to be on, on record saying this stuff. Uh, they recall the time that they saw a demon dog while they weren't wearing their reading glasses. Jimmy, if you can edit in here a clip, I'll send you the specific clip, but it's this old woman, and she sees Black Shuck, uh, the demon dog.
2: When I first saw it,
0: it was, it was just like a retriever dog. You know, black retriever dog. And when I went to get hold of it to take it home because the boy was deaf, that just went small. I couldn't touch it. That when I went down to get it, like that, that that just went like a a, a cat. And I stepped back. I was frightened.
2: More than 60 years on, Mrs. Bartram still won't venture out alone at night. She fears the phantom dog could be out there, somewhere
0: and it went all small like a cat and run off (laughs) so it clearly was a cat in this
2: regard i have (laughs) i'm gonna be okay
0: don't worry i'll be fine Uh, that's fine i don't often get a laugh like that i have to say i came away from um secrets of the vatican archives exposed a little disappointed though um the director as you said, just assembled other people's footage uh, of crackpots giving History Channel interviews.
2: And, and then some splice- of them had the History Channel logo still on mm. there. Like, mm-hmm. at least remove the watermark.
0: Uh, Mr Myers, you did not make this film, really. No. <laughs> um, there's one moment, as you mentioned where suddenly the movie starts quoting David Ike and I thought to myself jesus christ the is kicked in in the middle of back country but then <laughs> the film just the film just treats it as another academic source and quickly moves on it's like such a damp squib like i thought it was really going to go fruit loops for a second and it, it really
1: doesn't so one of the things that i i don't quite understand Um, And yeah, you can see through the comment section, it's full of sort of uh, conspiracy nuts that are all convinced that the Pope has got a secret library of all the secrets of mankind. Mm -hmm. But what secret, essentially, are they expecting to find that would change the world that drastically?
0: Hashtag
2: Jeffrey Epstein (laughs) knew.
0: Is is that a secret?
2: (laughs) I was going to mention that because there was a comment from EBE-3 one month ago that says Jeffrey Epstein is also hiding there alive and, well, as a top relic. Uh, David Everett said he would not be surprised if the Vatican houses Satan himself. I mean, all I think you're going to
1: find is probably a load of recipe books that, like, a Pope's grandmother wrote, and he refuses to share at this point. I really, I don't think there's, like, anything down there that would have any realistic, like, big impact on today. I
2: can't remember what the uh, relic is called, but there's a a relic from Rome, which they were like, oh, that's so cool, like, this, it it's all in one piece, and it tells us about Rome, and all it is is, like, a list of what things, how much things cost, like, (laughs) So I imagine like, it would probably be really interested to, like, someone who studies uh, theological history and someone in the history of the church. I thought so you were going to say a... someone who studies shopping lists is going to find that yeah. really <laughs> interesting. Well, apparently, I do remember that the most expensive thing was a bale of purple cloth, and that was because the only person who was allowed to buy it was the emperor. That's, that's the, the one thing I remember. There was one moment that uh, I think summed up how kind of
0: poor this film was or how how much of an anticlimax it was and it was like when the filmmaker clearly realizes that everyone is thinking to themselves hang on if the vatican doesn't want people to have this information and these are the only copies of the book why haven't they burned them
2: yeah
0: <laughs> oh, yes. i forgot about that and then the, the documentary addresses the satanic bible yeah. Uh, and yeah, you would think this is the sort of thing, the knowledge that you want destroyed so that Satan can't come back.
2: And uh, apparently, it just conveniently cannot be burned. Also, um, the source, I decided, you know, that was quite intriguing. I was like, oh, they're talking about this at Grand Grimoire. How cool is that? Yeah. So, um, and the source he quoted is the top um, result on Google. So, that little <laughs> quote he put on there is the top result. <laughs> It's so, didn't so, even like pretend like scroll a few pages in to find something else. Essentially you've done as much research as this <laughs> filmmaker has <at> yeah Yep. <laughs> and it doesn't even say it literally says some people say the whole thing. Oh god. I, I guess would we
1: recommend the <laughs> secrets of the Vatican Archives exposed?
2: Maybe. <laughs> like no, definitely not. But also no. if you love really shitty like jack said late night history channel documentaries it's kind of fun just how terrible it is but don't go out of your way to watch it if it comes on maybe watch five minutes and turn it off don't give them any views though oh <laughs> i think
0: uh, i would say actually more, I'll, I'll draw a more severe line under this i won't recommend it um, <laughs> again i will say If you are into that sort of thing, please check out Animal X and the subsequent Australian series, Animal X Investigates, where an aging English actor sends some Australian pseudoscientists across the world in search of Bigfoot. And at one point, they have a thermal sensor camera and they see something that they believe must be the size of a, a, a bear in the distance. Uh, and then the next day they walk over to where they saw it and they find out that it was actually just really far away rather than big. <laughs> and it was, it was it was the size of a duck. <laughs> so please go and see Animal X
2: in all its glory. So I now take back my recommendation say, so do not watch <laughs> this, go do what Jack said, because that sounds incredible.
1: I mean, I'm gonna say don't watch this purely because there's gonna be a million other better documentaries that actually did their own research and spoke yeah. to people themselves. Yeah, if you really want to watch a, 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 you know, a, a conspiracy theory, there's better ones out there.
2: A little bit warm today I'm going to go to one of my favorite coffee shops which is uh, the Perk it's called Perk downtown and yeah we'll just see what kind of b-roll I can get as I walk down there oh man I almost forgot you guys <laughs>
0: Okay, I think that brings us on to our third and final film in that case, which I will be introducing. It's called A Day in the Life of a Documentary Filmmaker, 2020, by William Seth Johnson. So yes, here's what I thought of this. A Day in the Life is a six-minute colostomy bag of futile squawking (laughs) and vacant imagery in which a social media homunculus details his hectic schedule of typing nonsense while sitting in Starbucks and planning on ruining nature for the sake of his own vanity. (laughs) Uh, On on the surface, it's an excruciating sequence of B-roll collected by the survivor of the world's first personality amputation. (laughs) But it is the kind of footage that could be taken up by another filmmaker to extract a deep and terrifying meaning about the inescapable yawning void that awaits each and every one of us. Uh, It makes me want to paraphrase Werner Herzog uh, from Grizzly Man. Um, What haunts me here is that in all the faces of all the beings that I see in A Day in the Life, I discover no kinship, no understanding, no mercy. I see only the overwhelming indifference of cretins. To me, there is no such thing as a secret world of William Seth Johnson, and his blank stare speaks only of a half bored interest in feeding his ego. That's that's my summary. It, it was utterly enraging.
2: Oh, it was, yeah. So, my entire night's I've thought on this is one didn't wear a mask in the shop, he's a dickhead. It was late September, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, September last year. We're all wearing masks. Wear a mask. Two, he can't sit down properly. Like, why is he always putting the camera in weird places and then, like, sliding towards it? And that's not how people do things. And three, fuck off. And that was my entire <laughs> night. Like, like, God, I don't know if I've ever hated someone as much as I hated him, and I don't know why. I just, oh, it, it made me so angry for no reason.
0: I don't think it was necessarily for no reason. Oh yeah, true.
2: (laughs) The fucking tree bit. Wanting to cut a tree down because he can't see some mountains. Look around the fucking tree. That is
0: (laughs) a perfect summary of the empty black void that is his heart, I feel like. You know, (laughs) This, this man who's, whose whole life is now slowly being geared towards, like, accruing clicks so that he can scrounge advertising rev- revenue on YouTube or social media, that's, he doesn't care about anything else. Oh, is there a tree that's blocking my view of the mountains? Cut that shit down. <laughs> I, I th- think that the infuriating thing that got to me and possibly you about it was that if you go into documentary filmmaking, you should have a story to tell, a message to impart or a subject to champion. And a collection of aesthetically mediocre shots isn't a stand-in for that. There are millions of films out there which are better documentaries, but will probably never reach an audience because they're flooded out by dross like this or secrets of the Vatican never (laughs) exposed.
1: I, I try and have a, an active YouTube channel, but sometimes, especially in the last year with lockdown, it's very hard to find inspiration um, to, to record anything, because unfortunately there's just not a lot going on, each day kind of is, is blurred into the next for the last sort of 12 hmm. months. But I guess the main difference between myself and William Seth Johnson is that on those days, I just don't film anything. <laughs> there's, there's nothing for me to say. <laughs> So I just don't say anything. I understand that um, you know there's no there's nothing to do, and I'll just try and give him the benefit of the doubt. Perhaps more than than you two who quite clearly hate this man with every fiber of your being. Yep. I feel like what maybe he's trying to do is you know as a as a budding filmmaker he's practicing and honing his crafts, and um, there's there's not a lot of redeeming quality here. Unfortunately,
2: the dog was nice.
1: Yeah, the dog was nice. You got to see a dog; that was quite I nice. Got to see a Starbucks, which I haven't seen for a year as
0: well. <laughs> to be fair, I think um, I think the only thing that I have to say that would be positive about this 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 fellow is that he's he's not as su- successful. <laughs> <laughs> because really, he's he's no worse than the wretched bloodsuckers on these sites who are try, you know trying to present themselves as successful as as possible uh while actually probably like uh driving around in a rental ferrari giving a kind of crib style analysis of a, a rented apartment that they had for a holiday home or something and being like this is our life every day won't you please give me your products to sponsor i have such a reach he's obviously he would he seems like he would like to do that and i mean i've gone to his youtube page to see for myself there's reams of content on there that are about him rock climbing uh, rock climbing vacationing with his girlfriend who the thumbnails seem to suggest is about seven different actresses each paid to look like he has something going on uh, you know it's it's contemptible but it doesn't come with say the baggage that uh, logan paul has where he actually has a lot of followers now. He has a lot of clout enough to get on fucking WrestleMania this year, which I threw up in my mouth about, let me tell you. So there is that there is that grim pot that little positive. But apart from that, um the trees here are in misery and the birds are in misery. I don't think they sing. They just screech in pain. That is my bit of hurt talk. <laughs>
1: yeah, this was this was a track to get through. Um
2: It did leave me with one big question though, is what is his job and why can't he walk his dog more? Uh, yeah. rental. Rental dog makes perfect sense now. (laughs) You've cleared it up, good job. He can't afford a dog that nice. That, yeah. Who can? It was a very nice dog. It's difficult. I am trying to
1: find a bit of information uh, about him. As, as always, we trying to do a bit of background research His Instagram says that his job He's a video creator, a documentary filmmaker And a Christ follower
0: Oh, good I was really worried you were going to come back with something like Oh, he is one of the leading lights in the Make-A-Wish Foundation movement Or something like <laughs> that And I've just been horrible to him But no, it's, it's fine, fuck that guy If
1: he was well, a leading light in Make-A-Wish Then my only wish would be to turn my life support off <laughs>
2: Yeah. It's, it's, you know, he's a Christ follower. That's a difficult job to get. There's only twelve. He must be old as
0: fuck as well, so I guess he looks good for
2: his age. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe he should be interviewed by the uh by Jay Myers for the next secrets of the Vatican. He knows what's down there. <laughs> he was down there. He was in Alexandria when the library burned. Stop the oh. cover up. <laughs> Oh, there's a lot of.
1: I mean, I've just. I'm just clicking through one of his other videos. There's a lot of Jesus in this, guys. A lot of Jesus. There's a Dear 2020 video, which is basically just um, the crucifixion and also some forest fires.
0: Wait, what? I didn't click on that, but the Dear 2020 one I thought it was going to be like an essay where he's like, it's been a bad year, but we'll get by. But you're saying he crucifies himself?
1: So um, there's about 40. 40- or well, even less than forty seconds of various news clips of um of twenty twenty, mm-hmm. followed by a minute and a half of just Jesus. Uh, I assume taken from some film, just being crucified. <laughs> I
0: think it, it sounds- might be passionate for Christ. It sounds like he could get work with Jay Myers. This is very violent for Instagram. I'm surprised this is still <laughs> on here. Always look on the bright side of life.
1: I'm gonna report it and ruin this
0: day. Oh. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I'm not talking you out, of it, but you know, no. good job. I can't. I can't. I won't. Can. <laughs> <ow. laughs> Do we have anything else to say about this film? Because there's really so little
1: in there to talk about. We, we've given this more thought than he has already, so I've got nothing else to
0: say. Okay, so, just for a uh, purely admin purpose, would either of you recommend this film?
2: I would not. <laughs> <gasps> i tried try to not say anything mean, but I still came across like a dickhead.
1: I would like a refund on my time. <laughs> And I would not <laughs> recommend this, Jack. Um, would you recommend
0: or? Hmm. <laughs> As I've said, we've we've seen an actual legitimate documentary at the start, which I recommended. This this is repulsive by comparison. It's an aberration of a film, and I don't think anyone should see it. It should be locked in the Vatican vaults, <laughs> along with Jeffrey Epstein. Who uh, I, I assume is just living down there off, like, uh, crackers.
2: Apparently. Uh, Rats. You mean biscuits, we're, we're, not white people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, he was into
2: a lot of sick shit, let's be clear. What bastard. Only Jacob's cream crackers and there's no water. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do with them. That's fair <laughs> enough. That's, that's about right, I think. He just yeah. has to live like that. <laughs> just the driest mouth ever. I did forget one great thing about the uh, secrets of the Vatican. Like, because while there are a lot of secrets in the Vatican that we need to discover, mm-hmm. something else that you also need to discover is Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> the paint like, what was it? It was something like, you know, what isn't it a secret? <laughs> it was... I forgot about this terrible segue. It was beautiful. Listen, and until I
0: saw the first uh, tonight's first film and realised we're going to have to do a serious opening. I was planning on opening with an advert for Raid.
1: Do you know what two-year-old What
0: hope isn't afraid to play with? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Yeah. So uh, if I'm next time, next time, Jimmy, we'll make a we'll make a cheap buck because uh, apparently. These people will just sponsor any old shit as well. Like, I feel
1: like if, if we make the advert and then just tell them we've done it, we'll probably just get paid.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: We, can we be
1: nasty about it as well? Most of the adverts are.
2: It's a great game. You get to do stuff. You don't.
1: That's a problem. <laughs> you should just pay money for the chance to do stuff.
2: Nah, that's the dream.
1: So, Jack, do you want to summarize or...
0: I mean, yeah, it's an ac- it would be academic at this stage to ask which you thought was the best oh, film a point. of the connection. It would oh, yeah. it'd be utterly pointless to ask, but please enlighten me, both of you.
1: Well, to to the grand surprise of no one, "Good Girls Don't Tell" is is the one I would recommend watching out for free. Yeah, um, if you're high. You could maybe watch Secrets of the Vatican Archives Exposed. <laughs> but even then, ultimately, you're just wasting your time. And at least after watching Good Girls Don't Tell, you're going to feel like you could perhaps grow as a person somewhat.
2: Watch Good Girls Don't Tell. Don't watch the other two. If you need something terrible in your life, listen to Jack and watch, what was it, Animal X? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, that is true. I will actually investigate because that sounds incredible and I will watch that this evening. Yes, I will send you a link later. (laughs) Link in the the description, in fact. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Watch Um, that instead of what we watched. You'll have a better time, apart from the first one, which was required for you.
0: OK, uh, uh, yeah, I'll make it a, a unanimous uh, vote and say, that obviously, Good Girls Don't Tell is the best film that we watch tonight and uh, the others should be uh, jettisoned into space in the direction of the sun. So I guess it just remains for me to thank both of this week's panel, uh, Jason and Jimmy. Jason, before we go, is there anything in particular that you would like to let our listeners know about coming up in your schedule?
2: Probably not. Uh, Hopefully later in the year, comedy will return. I will be back. There may be a special event with me and Jimmy doing fun stuff together. So um, keep an eye out if you're in Norwich.
0: Okay. And Jimmy, do you have anything that you
2: would
1: like to plug this week? Uh, Just as always, you can follow me on YouTube where I'll every now and then rip a film to shreds or make a funny video where I insult Jason. And that's pretty much it.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. Please please do visit Jimmy's um, Jimmy's YouTube this week because uh, he's just posted a delightful video where he examines Cats 2019 by uh, Tom Hooper. It's a riot. Um, and I guess for Indie Film Library, just a quick announcement. Our submissions are open again. So if you would like us to evaluate your film, probably in a much more constructive way than what's gone down here, please... Go to Indie Film Library, there'll be a big button that says Submissions, hit that and uh, send us your film. That's all said and done then. Um, uh, Tonight's episode was really an episode of uh, two halves. One big, serious half that uh, we should all take plenty of food for thought from, and one half which was a horrendous experience in its own right, but for very different reasons. (laughs) please do join us again for our next episode of tube rats in two weeks time. Uh, in the meantime, I guess we'll play you out with some nice calming music. Goodbye.
1: Thank you for listening. Tube rats is created, produced, and edited by Jack Brindelli and Jimmy Rudiger. As always, we'd like to thank Libby Irons for allowing us to use her music. And we'd like to thank Jason Overman for joining us.